You are listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. This is episode number 52, April 26, 2022. Hi, this is Rev, and you're listening to the Tech Chef Podcast. Off-premise strategy, business continuity. How about a taste test of restaurant technology? drive through or curbside, mobile apps or AI. It's all on the menu. Welcome back to the Tech Chef. This is your host, Skip Kimple. And if you're looking for ways to improve your restaurant or hospitality business, this podcast is the perfect show for you. Every single week, we talk to an industry leader or supplier about the latest technology solutions that can help you run your business more efficiently. You'll learn about everything from cloud-based POS systems to inventory management tools. There's something for everyone on this show. You'll be able to take your business to the next level as we provide valuable information that will help you make informed decisions about technology solutions for your company. Tune in every week for a new episode. It's sure to be packed with information that will benefit you and your team. I am currently in Atlanta at meetings, but I'm really looking forward to seeing all of you at Food on Demand next week for those of you that are going. You do realize we are going to be in Vegas during Cinco de Mayo, right? Well, it's a good thing restaurant people don't like to party and have a good time. Otherwise, we would be in trouble. <clears throat> Moving on. While I was at RLC recently, I had a chance to sit down with Rev. Rev is a New York City restaurant owner and knows exactly how hard it is to operate a brand and hospitality business. He is a hospitality marketing consultant, customer, and technology evangelist at Branded Strategic Hospitality with more than 20 years experience in B2B digital marketing and business development specializing in hospitality marketing, content, local SEO, reputation management, and influencer marketing. He helps technology companies, brands, and restaurants to acquire and retain customers. On a side note, Rev is known as an expert burger taster and believes that pizza is a religion. This is going to be an interesting talk, so buckle your seatbelts and here we go. Gosh, Rev, first of all, let me just say, if... if the people and the audience do not know who you are. Um, they've either been living under a rock, have not been to a conference. But let's say we do have a portion of our audience that doesn't know who you are. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do? Actually, what's your full name? <laughs> so my full name is David Ciancio, but everybody just calls me Rev. Uh, and when people ask me why they call you Rev, it's because I'm actually ordained. So it's Reverend David J. Ciancio. I did not know that. That's actually, oops, I learned something new. We're live here at the Restaurant Leadership Conference. This is day number two. Um, let's talk a little bit about what you've seen here so far. There's been sessions going on. There's the marketplace that's been happening. From a session perspective of this, the uh, sessions that you've been able to attend, is there anything that's maybe caught your eye or has been interesting um, from a content perspective? Yeah, certainly. So for people that have been here, you'll kind of get what I'm saying here. But for people who haven't, there's basically... 
two kinds of sessions that happen. There's the ones that are the big grand ballroom and they bring the, the C-suite person of whatever brand. Uh, I found those to all be pretty good. Like there's people who that, you know, the CMO of Sonic is up there. She kind of had some experiences you could learn from. Uh, and so all the main stage stuff I really liked because it challenged my thinking. It made me think about, you know, brands who are thinking things way, way bigger than me. That content's been excellent. It usually is. It's walking there in the CEO, CIO, CMO, CSO of whatever C-suite has something very interesting to say. Those have been great. This would be my suggestion. This is what I think would make the innovation forums, which is like the breakout sessions here, unbelievably powerful. If the structure was, here's how to achieve Y result with move one, two, three, right? Like if they had to give you a playbook, so it's, here's how to solve X problem, do step one, do step two, do step three. By the way, my tool makes it a whole lot easier. At that point, you've taught me something, and now you've earned the right to pitch me. And I would love if they were restructured like that, right? Because I want to learn. I want to come here. I want to walk away and go, ooh, that thing I learned, I want to do that. Well, every session you go to, I think you need to be able to take away a nugget or two, even if it's that. Actually, you know what? We skipped over in the beginning. We didn't even talk about you know, what you do, what is your business? I, we, we just, we just got right into it. I was excited to talk I about mean, that's way less interesting anyway. So well, I don't even know everything that you do quite honestly. So this is a learning session for me as well. Amen. Well, I do own a restaurant. So the, for those of you listening, I come from an operator perspective. I own a quick service hamburger restaurant in New York city called Hankraft burgers and brew. So I have an operator mindset and I'm actually a failed operator as well. I used to have a bar in the East village that did not go so well. So what is your what, what makes your hamburger place different than it, the billion other hamburger places out there? Okay, well let's clarify my role in the hamburger place and then I'll <laughs> answer the question. So okay. I do zero with operations. I'm not involved in the culinary team, I'm not involved in operations. My partners respect my opinion and they ask for it, but like I don't have responsibility on the operational side. I am literally there only to do marketing. So my lens is marketing. So I'll tell you what we do unique. So from a food perspective, it's a smashed hamburger. So we're taking the three ounce, you know, fresh certified Angus beef, we're smashing it, putting on some unique toppings, we use a, you know, a brioche, it's delicious. Um, what we're doing differently that I think is really differently is we are 99% digital transactions, right? So we don't have a cash register in New York City where it's illegal to be cashless. Wow. So what happens is you walk into our, our restaurant and it's five two tops, right? It's a quick service restaurant. It's intended for you to get a burger and a bag and leave, right? We have some beers, we have French fries, whatever. Uh, but you walk in and we have a host, right? Like as if you're walking into a fine dining restaurant. Hey, my name's Melanie. Welcome to Handcraft Burgers and Brew. By the way, if you want to take a seat, you can use your phone to order. Hit this QR code. We have free Wi-Fi for you and we encourage people to order from their phone. When they order from their phone, we're getting their name, their address, their phone number. It's first party ordering, right? They're also comfortable, they're seated, we're capturing their information on Wi-Fi, we're tracking that. Like, it's literally about guest data capture. If they don't want to use their phone, we then have three kiosks. And our greeter will walk them over to the kiosk and help them place an order through the kiosk. Through the kiosk, I capture their name and their phone number, right? So either way, I'm capturing their guest data. If they absolutely demand to pay with a credit card or cash, we have a little toast terminal that we just kind of slide out okay. and they can hand us a credit card. So that's why I say 99%. Uh, and in that case, we won't hit the tend button because they have a little screen to put in their email address. So the point is we basically operationalized getting all of our guest data. Well, that brings up an interesting point. So you've, you've talked a little bit about your technology stack. Maybe go to it in a little bit deeper and then I want to 
jump back to the marketing piece of it. Sure. So we use, so we use Toast. Uh, Toast is our POS. We're using the Toast kiosk. Our online ordering is Bebot. Right? And then we have some operational tech again. I'm not really involved in the operations. I think we have Restaurant 365 a few other. But uh, from a marketing perspective, we're using Marquee to manage all of our listings mm-hmm. and to manage our reviews. We use Targetable for um, social advertising. So they're doing all of our Facebook and Instagram ads. We also run uh, acquisition ads, like getting people to fill out a form to give us their name and email address in exchange for a $10 off whatever. We're using Targetable for all of our organic content. Not all of it. 60% of our organic content is targetable. So they're creating Instagram posts. They're creating Facebook posts. And we just go approve them. It's amazing. I love it. Um, We're using Ovation for feedback, for third to first party conversion, and for text message marketing. We're using Bicky as our CRM. So Bicky is analyzing all of our guest touch points, uh, building segments and automation. And then we use MailChimp for email. I think that's everything. Wow. That you... (laughs) Okay, so for a single location, you are loaded up, especially from the marketing side, which brings me to my point. I'm starting to see a change in the industry where the POS used to be the starting point for a restaurant, and then you built around the POS. Lately, especially with the importance of data and the value of data, and especially marketing to be able to get to your customers effectively, people are starting to, to start on the CRM level and then work everything around that. Do you agree that's where you kind of see I, everything like, happening? I'm ecstatic that you brought this this up. This is like the Rev's talk track for 2022. Right, okay. Cool. So l- let's answer let's go back and answer a question and then I'll answer that. So not only do I own a restaurant, but I'm a hospitality marketing consultant and I help restaurants with their tech stack and with their guest acquisition and retention. So I I see this on all sides. Uh, but I think the point you're making here, right, is Traditionally, this business right came from a brick-and-mortar perspective. I walk through your door, you serve me food. The only point at which I have a touch point with you is giving me the credit card or the cash. Right? We were a transaction-based tech stack. We now live in a world where a customer can have 25 digital touch points with you to have one sandwich. So a friend, they can see a friend post about it on TikTok. Then they go to your Google and they look at the information. Then maybe they look at your photos. Then they go to Yelp to see your review. And then maybe they have to make a reservation using Resi or OpenTable. And then they're going to share that with whoever they're going with. But then they want to go look at your social media to see what the, the pictures look like. But then they're going to take a ride share. And that has to have your... There's so many touch points with your brand that a consumer has now that you need to be in control of all those touch points. And then the fact that somebody can order from you directly, that they can come into your store and order, that they can order via third party, they can get catering from you, they can comment on Instagram, they can leave you a review on Yelp, they can have all these crazy touch points. How are you going to manage those, right? Even large companies don't know how to manage all that. It's hard, but isn't it more important to meet the guest in as many of those touch points as you can than it is to get their credit card? The credit card is one piece of their journey. Their journey now is all these other touch points. And that's why I think a CRM or CDP is like the right decision. I was having this discussion last night over dinner and somebody needs to create that single pane of glass for the restaurant industry where you can actually see all this data, make sense of it. You don't have to go out because you just named a bunch of tools. How does your average person manage all of those tools? That's a lot of stuff to log into. and, And I mean, are some of these things automated where you don't have to touch it or... It just seems like a lot, especially if you're running a larger organization. Well, look, again, I, 
mine is a single unit, right? So either the answer I will give would be based around a single unit, but most of my clients are multi-units and they're using the same stack, right? We manage the marketing for Handcraft Burgers and Brew, and I have a marketer that I hired to help me three to four hours a week. Hmm. Not, that does not include going to the store and getting like video and, and, and photo content that I need to social, but the actual marketing moves, the email, the text message, listings management, like any of the, any of the marketing programs, three to four hours a week. Really doesn't take a lot. That's it. The tools are that good. Interesting. Well, it, those are pretty powerful tools. Some of them are new yep. out there. Um, and, well, the whole BeeBot acquisition that was announced, that was last month, I think, right? The yes, Door, DoorDash BeeBot acquisition. Is that going to change anything from your perspective? Maybe. I don't know. We're looking to, if I'm being, again, I'm generally a pretty honest person. Um, I have said this to Toast, so me saying on your podcast is not... Uh, revealing a secret that I haven't put out there, but I, it frustrates me to no end that I cannot do a marketing opt-in from their kiosk hmm. and that I can't choose what information I want you to give me. So it's mandatory that you put in your phone number, which is cool, but I can't do a marketing opt-in from the kiosk. And that to me seems like a miss because I know that they have that functionality. And the fact that I can't choose to have you input your email instead of your phone number also frustrates me. So if anything in my stack is going to swap out, it might be the kiosk. Because again, you can't get your guests back in. Or you can't measure what they're doing if you don't have their information, if you don't sure. know the touch point. So. And obviously you're all about measuring that data and making the story out of the, out of, for the guest. You know, what, is their, what is their true journey? On the showroom floor here, the marketplace that, that is at RLC, is there any technology that's caught your eye? There's quite a few vendors in there, some companies I've never even heard of before. So I, I'm not done. I've walked basically half the room last night. I'll walk the other Got half it. today. Uh, I have a tendency to get caught up in conversations. There was a lot of good food out there last yeah. night for, yeah. for conference food. I was impressed. The, uh, the hot wings were actually kind of spicy. I was happy about that. Well, we're going to talk about that in a second. All right, yes. God bless. Um, <laughs> not, not spicy enough, but it was spicy. But you know what I didn't see that's surprising me? I, I was expecting to see some Web 3.0 stuff here. I was hoping to see somebody doing NFT, somebody involved with crypto, anything that has to do with blockchain, like any of that stuff and there's nothing and i don't know if just maybe we're not even in the first inning on that yet or maybe restaurants don't care but i was hoping or expecting to see web 3.0 here it's interesting you say that because by the time i'm not quite sure when the show airs but i have another podcast in the can where i interview chad horn um, from devour token and they are specifically doing nfts and web 3.0 stuff within the restaurant space fascinating I, You'll be in an interview. You definitely want to hear it. Well, yeah, it's crazy right. to me because like loyalty is still such a huge pro. Like it's still a giant discussion. Like, isn't that what NFTs are? Like, isn't it really just a form of access? You know, it's not point based, but it should be loyalty. Well, and, and that's what I learned about the NFTs because I was I was completely ignorant in regards to not what NFT was, but how it was being utilized. And he made it very clear it was all about you know the whole. Um, you know, providing unique experiences or exclusive access um, for for your guests. I mean, it's a whole different way of looking at loyalty instead of just giving stuff away. Yep. And I think I've, I've got a show coming up where we're going to talk about that as well because I have some very different opinions on uh, there are people out there that believe in giving, giving stuff away is a good thing and that's how they drive business and other people that are dead set against that concept. Well, actually, let me get your take on that. 
Uh, so when we first opened up, uh, part of our new store opening playbook was the whole, you know, give us your email, get $10 off your first order type thing. And it didn't work, to be very honest. We got a lot of people into our database. So we did guest capture or we really, they, actually, they wouldn't even guess at that point. We did capture a lot of data, but we found a lot of those people didn't return. And we've done a 90-day analysis on it. And I think we had a 1.2% return rate. So, like, they wanted the discount, and they came in and got it, but I didn't get them to come back in. Now, I, I want to be clear. Like, we, they went through email automations, drip campaigns, text messages. So, it wasn't like we hoped they would come back in. We put the marketing around that to get them to come back in, and they didn't. Now, there's a number of reasons that could happen. Look, we're in New York City. Maybe people just have that many choices. I don't know. But uh, it didn't work very well. It didn't work very well. The discounting thing just didn't on the front end didn't work. How are you utilizing loyalty now? Are you giving any, anything away? Are you so providing we, unique access to LTOs? Or? So we don't have a loyalty. We have the built-in toast loyalty act. So people are checking in through their toast. Uh, if they come through the, if they order from the kiosk, they can opt into the toast loyalty, but we're not really using it. I really want to use SpendGo, but they don't have an integration with Bicky yet, or sorry, they're working on an integration. I probably shouldn't be saying this publicly, but uh, I want to use Spengo. I think Spengo is an incredible tool, uh, but until they have some integrations into our other tools, I think we're just going to hang out and wait. Gotcha. Let's talk about uh, any emerging brands out there, any brand that's thinking about you know their one, two, three units. Um, what's your advice from them from a technology perspective? What should they be looking at uh, making that first investment? Oh, man. I mean, I think you already said it, right? It's it's CRM or CDP. And I would look at this. If you're going to rethink your tech stack, right, I think you have to ask yourself the question, what's more important, managing the guest journey or managing the guest purchase? Either is fine, right? And so you're either going to start with a POS, right, because you care about the purchase, or you're going to start with the journey. You're going to start with a CDP or a CRM. That's the first question to answer. Once you've answered that, then build everything else around it, right? So like for me, if you took Bicky away from me, I'd freak out. Like I wouldn't, it would upend all of my marketing. So I knew we wanted Bicky in the store, said, okay, well, what, who do they have integrations with? How do we work? Like we built around the CRM. And so that would be my advice is if you're going to rethink your tech stack, decide if the purchase of the journey is more important and then start with one of those tools. So Bicky's relatively new out there. Can you explain a little bit more about what it is? Sure, so Bicky takes all of your information from different systems, or sorry, all your guest data. So they bring in Resi, they bring in OpenTable, they bring in Grubhub, they bring in first party ordering, they bring in Pop Menu, they bring in, they have all these integrations anywhere where like a guest can transact with you. They get that data and they put it into a dashboard where they basically, they don't use this word, but I do, they harmonize the data. So now I have a real 360 view of my guest because somebody could make a reservation one day. They could place an online order the next day. Two weeks later, they could use Grubhub. Like they can, they can transact with me in different channels. But my favorite example of this is like, okay, let's say that you always online order from my restaurant and 60 days go by and I don't see a transaction. Well, we would call you a lapsed guest. But what if you walk through the door with a friend and they paid for you? Well, you're not really a lapsed guest anymore. But I have free Wi-Fi, so I'm tracking you. So I know you came through the door even though you didn't pay. Right. So you're not a lapsed guest, right? And so Bicky helps me have a better view of my guests so that I can then segment them saying, okay, this is a new time guest or 
this is what we would call a conversion. Somebody came in through Grubhub, but we got them to order first party or a reversion. So somebody ordered first party, then went back to Grubhub. And so as Bicky segments them for me, they then trigger automated marketing campaigns. So we just build all, that's why our marketing doesn't take a lot because we have Bicky doing the analyzation. Interesting. Thank you for that. Can I tell you my, I tell you my favorite Bicky tool though? This is my favorite one. Yeah. So when you're talking to a marketer and you go, how do you measure the effectiveness of your email campaign? Okay, well, you're gonna look at opens, you're gonna look at clicks, you're gonna look at unsubs, you're gonna look at what they clicked, like you can look at all that stuff. We look at that stuff at Handcraft, and most of my clients who are also using Bicky, we look at that stuff, but we kinda don't care. Bicky helps me know exactly how much money I made from an email. And I'll give you an example where that worked out. So I had a brand, a multi-unit brand we worked with, and we used to email every day at 11 a.m. We'd send our, our, our newsletter, whenever we sent the newsletter, we'd send it at 11 a.m. We thought, hmm, you know, we're mostly a dinner brand. What if we send it closer to dinner? Let's try it. So we switched to a 4 p.m. send for about a month, and all the revenue we generated from email went up. Wow. So I was like, oh, wouldn't you rather make a marketing decision based on <laughs> revenue, not based on a click or an open? Yes. And it gets better. I said, you know what? What if we try 3 p.m.? It's a 20% lift in revenue. And so I wouldn't be able to measure the effectiveness of my email based on how much money it put in the cash register without Bicky. Okay, that's pretty That's, <laughs> that's pretty my, strong. That's my favorite one. <laughs> that's pretty strong. Do you have any spicy hamburgers on your menu? <laughs> uh, we have one that has uh, smoky green uh, hatch chilies on it. Okay, so the reason why I'm pointing this out because our guests are, or our listeners are probably going, why did he just ask that? <laughs> so what I like hanging around you at conferences is because I never know we're going to go eat. You, are, you find the most <laughs> unique places to, to um, invite people to. Let's see, in Vegas, we went to that, uh, that Brazilian place. Oh, pa- uh, Pampas. Oh, Pampas was, is so good. That was good. It was on my way back to the airport. I was in a food coma from my red eye back to uh, Fort Lauderdale. Um, but today we went out to uh, a Korean place. Boy, was that good. Cup up. I'd never heard of it before. How many locations do they have? Do you know? uh, 35. 35. And where are they? I think they're, they're, their headquarters are in Utah. Okay. So we're in Arizona here, clearly. So. so we learned a little something about each other today, and that is our uh, love for spice. So at this, when you're ordering the food, you have the option of choosing different spice levels. And they have a wall. What's the wall called? Uh, wall of hotness. Wall of hotness. Yes. And all these pictures up there. And if you order level 10, you get your Polaroid picture of, and you're up on the wall of hotness. Well, it wasn't very hot. It wasn't. It wasn't not enough for me. Not enough for me either. <laughs> I went back and I got more level 10 and I shared it with you. It was and a good call. It was a good call. I, I wish I had a bottle in my pocket, <laughs> a bottle of hot sauce. Let me just say that. Uh, a bottle of hot sauce in my pocket because I asked my wife. I normally do it. It really embarrasses her. But I like spice. I like melting your face off kind of spice. Yeah, me too. And... If you look inside our refrigerator, there's like a whole, there's probably about 40 open bottles because I have a different hot sauce for, you know, to pair up with different foods. If you go in our pantry, there's probably about 100 bottles sitting there waiting to go. So she has put a new limitation on me. I cannot open a new bottle until I start finishing off some of the old ones. So I, I do that to myself. No more than three at a time. Oh, three at a time. Well, I can't. Sorry, I can't. four, four. I can't do that. So I eat hot sauce literally right out of the bottle. Every Saturday I do a spoonful Saturday. I take a picture of me doing a a spoon of hot sauce and I put it out on social media and it's a trend. I don't know. Call me crazy. But now you know a little bit of something about me. And I think from now on, our goal is to be able to find the spiciest food in every town that we go to. Uh, So you might not know this about me. 
I run five Instagram accounts. One is mine, one is the restaurant, but then I have a couple of other fun ones. One of them is called Hot Chicken Life. Hot Chicken yes. Life? Yes, I did not know that. And the only content that's on the Instagram account is Nashville Hot Chicken. Oh. That's it. That's all is just post after post of places to eat Nashville Hot Chicken. Now, me and three friends started with an idea to encourage uh, and, and promote restaurants in New York and New Jersey, which is where I live, that are serving hot chicken. So the whole idea was let's build up an audience of hot chicken lovers and help New York, metro New York restaurants who are serving hot chicken. But we repost hot chicken from around the country, and so we have 35,000 followers. It's just hot chicken. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out because I love myself some good hot chicken. But it's very rare that I can get a place that will make it hot enough for yeah, me. Yeah, I totally agree. But um, So do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners out there? Oh, man, I don't know. I'm not that smart. So uh, <laughs> think, think about your guest journey. Now, you know, listen, I think people get really stuck in, in some of the marketing stuff that they do. Like they either don't know or they think too much or they plan too much. I think restaurant marketing is like, you know, measure twice, cut once, right? And if it worked, do twice as much next time. If it didn't work, ask yourself why and what you could have done better, you know? If, if it fails, hopefully it fails fast. Yeah. You know, and measure as, much, measure as much of your marketing as you can. Yep. Completely agree. Thank you for taking the time to uh, join thank us Thank you. Today. This is awesome. I appreciate it. Um, how can people reach out to you if they want to learn more? Uh, so I am uh, at RevCNCO on every platform. So TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever you guys want. It's R-E-V-C-I-A-N-C-I-O. Everybody that's listening just said, I don't know what you just said. And I can't spell that. Uh, the easiest way to find me is I run the world's largest French fry themed Instagram account. It's 330,000 followers. It's just French fries. The screen name is Fun With Fries. If you go to the bio on Foma Fries, you can click through to RevCNCO. You get to my main Instagram account. Wow. That's another thing I did not know about you, but I will also post these links in my show notes so people can go and, and quickly click on that. Can I do a quick plug? You can. Uh, if you're wondering about what to do for rest uh, TikTok for restaurants, I'm all in on the TikTok. I wrote a book called TikTok for Restaurants. So if you want the book, message me and I'll show you how to get it. There you go. Shameless plug. <laughs> Rev, thanks again. Uh, thank you. Enjoy man. the rest of the conference. You too, buddy. Appreciate it. What a fun guy to hang around. As you can tell, he has a pretty strong passion for what he does and how he does it. He really takes guest data to the next level. And you know what? He is a curious soul and you never know where you will see him next and what restaurant he might be recording his next Instagram or TikTok video at. Keep your eye out for him. He is everywhere. If you would like to reach out to me or the show, you can do so via everything social at Constrata or at Skip Kimple. This includes Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. Of course, you can always go to Constrata.io to see the episodes and listen to them and see all the show notes in addition to SkipKimple.com where you can find all the archived episodes of The Tech Chef. And of course, you can always send me an email at skip.kimple at constrata.io. Well, another week coming gone and another conference in the horizon. Food on demand, here we come. Next week, I have another great show for you with Marcus Wasden, the new general manager of PAR Data Central over at PAR Technology. We'll be talking about the power of data and how to best leverage it to be more successful and talk in a little more detail about having overseas development shops 
world conflicts that could disrupt your development cycle, and how to work around these challenges that might pop up. Another show that is a must-hear episode. So, until next Tuesday, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay hungry, my friends.